Somewhere out there, there's a man on a park bench eating his 500th PB&J. He has no idea Papa John's has new papadillas that are way better than a boring sandwich. With Papa John's best meats, cheeses, and veggies hand-folded into a crispy flatbread crust. Someone better tell that man. Get a new papadilla in one of four flavors for just six bucks. Better ingredients, better pizza, better than a sandwich. Papa John's. Not valid with discounts, fees, and taxes. Extra prices may vary. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by audible.com. Head on over to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up for a free trial of audible.com where you can then explore all of the audio content that is there. And believe me, it is more than audiobooks. The Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to enjoy inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to, and this is because of the guests. Uh, These are people who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me to uh, have a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. Uh, Today, we are very fortunate because we have a returning guest. My guest today is Ashley Misich. Ashley is co-owner and CEO of True North Retirement Advisors. She specializes in the unique needs and challenges that business owners face and helps them create highly successful exit plans. A frequent podcast guest and experienced onstage speaker, Ashley is not your typical financial presenter. As a four-time humorous speech champion, she brings her award-winning style to delight and engage audiences. Thanks so much for joining me again, uh, Ashley. Yes, thank you for having me, Diane. Uh, I am thrilled. Now, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, protecting and growing your business. Uh, and and as we are recording this, we are, I'm going to say, just smack dab in the middle of a pandemic. So I am curious how someone can grow the value of their business during a pandemic? Well, yeah, that's a great question. And it's entirely dependent 
uh, on a number of factors, but the one of the hard parts about COVID is that there are some industries that are thriving and their business, they had their best year ever in 2020 and are on pace to do that again in 2021. And then there are other businesses who are decimated and they won't come back from this or, you know, they'll go out of business or it'll forever change them, um, you know, for the negative. So, um, it's not the same answer across the board. Um, but even if your business is struggling, I think that there are things that you can do to focus on what you can control in the business. You know, we can't control what the death rates are or the lockdowns or how it's impacting our business in particular. Um, but there are certainly things that you can control. And so I've been trying to encourage some of my business owner clients who are having a rough year and, and struggling to focus on those things rather than what they can't or wishing that it would be different. Yeah, I like that. I'm a big believer in control what you can, monitor what you can't. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about opportunities that exist. What, what um, in, in your estimation, are some of the opportunities that exist right now for business owners? Well, if you are, if you have good, stable cash flow, um, and you are financially in a, you know, well positioned financially, then there are a lot of, no matter what industry you're in, there's going to be other competitors that are not in that position. So there are definitely opportunities for maybe strategic acquisition, buying inventory, um, if, if you have a competitor that have, has had to lay off people, um, I'm thinking particularly in those industries that are decimated. You know, when we entered the pandemic, I was doing some hiring for True North and it was so difficult to find good qualified people because the unemployment rate was so low. Like everybody who I wanted to hire was employed. <laughs> and so in a lot of industries now, now that's not the case. So, you know, if you're uh, just to use it, more extreme examples of the hardest hit industries, like if you're a travel business or a hotel or a restaurant who is going to survive, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity out there. Um, even when you just look at hiring and, and bringing on those people who have been let go um, from other uh, competitors or other businesses. So there are lots of opportunities depending on what your financial position is, what your cash flow is right now, and, and in what direction do you want to go? Do you, do you want to grow? Because if you want to grow and you want to come out of this pandemic stronger than you were when, you, when we entered it and position yourself well for future growth, now is a great time to buy uh, businesses that are struggling, buy inventory at, you know, fire sale prices um, and pick up employees from other struggling businesses. So there are opportunities that exist out there, not for everyone, unfortunately, um, but for the businesses who are in a stable financial position, uh, and have the ability to kind of open their eyes and see, okay, wh wh what do I want to do differently in my business in order to facilitate growth coming out the other side of this pandemic? Because we are getting, you know, much, much closer. 2021, I think is going to look very different than 2020. I do too, and I'm certainly hoping so. Um, <laughs> and and so what I, one of the things that I really like about this is that it, it feels like what you're talking about is positioning yourself for 
the future, you know, looking at opportunities that currently exist that can bolster your business as we work to, you know, get past the pandemic and get back to some semblance of normal, a normal economy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And okay. I, Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, well, I started in as a, uh, as an advisor in 2007. So right before the financial crisis. And I remember very famously, I, I think Warren Buffett and how he views things is a really good example for all of us, especially business owners. So what he did was he, of course, had mountains of cash, much more than you or I or and, and pretty much all of your listeners have at our fingertips, but because he was in a strong position financially and because he was looking for opportunities, not crawling back into a shell and, you know, hoping that uh, things would pick up again, he was actively looking for opportunities. And so he made investments in a lot of struggling businesses at the time. He made investments in Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs. And basically it took him about 18 months before he he had more than doubled his money in the investments that he made in those at the time, very struggling businesses. Um, and so that kind of lesson, I think, is is one to be learned from that. Th- this is one of the wealthiest people in the world, primarily. And the, his source of wealth is because he has uh, been such a uh, a very just intuitive business person and looking at opportunities when there's blood in the streets. And so uh, I think we can all learn from him and, and from people like him who in crisis times of crisis um, really see how they can take advantage of what's happening in order to strengthen them uh, coming out the other side. Yeah, it's a big mindset shift. Instead of looking at, oh, how awful things are, you look at, wow, what are the possibilities? And and then you see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I do have a question about um, business owners, because yes, we are in the middle of a pandemic. And if, if, if something happens to a business owner, you know, how do they protect their business? That feels like something they need to make sure they have in place now, just in case. Yeah, it's a really big problem because especially for small businesses, but actually I'm I'm continually surprised at um, even kind of middle market or or smaller, larger businesses, not necessarily like a mom and pop type shop, but, you know, a business that has, 30, 50, 100 employees, how often the business critical information lives inside of the head of the owner or maybe one key person in your organization. Um, and so what I've what I've been talking to clients quite a bit uh, in 2020 and, and into 2021 is, you know, how do we get that business critical information outside of your head? And it's one of the first things that I do with clients when we're kind of laying that roadmap for transferring their business and developing the exit strategy. But it's actually something that any business owner can do. And most business owners, all business owners should do, regardless of how close they are to wanting to exit. And, and basically what that is, is it's 
creating what I call business continuity instructions. So it's a very simple document. It's nothing, you don't have to have like a legal, a lawyer drafted or anything. You just list out who are your trusted advisors, what is their contact information, your CPA, your attorney, if you have an exit planning advisor, your payroll company. Um, a lot of times your spouse or your key employees will not even know where the bank accounts are held. And so these can become problems, especially if, if the owner becomes sick or if, if you die. And, and um, so if either of those situations happen, you know, owner becomes incapacitated, owner dies, especially if you as the owner are still wearing a lot of the hats in the business and, and a lot of the business kind of revolves around you and you're, you're keeping all the balls in the air juggling at the same time, that's a big, big problem. And so your business and your family sort of plunged into chaos if something like that were to happen to you. And so the business continuity instructions um, provide some order to that chaos. So you'd have the list of the trusted advisors, and then you'd have the first contacts and actions. So who should be who should be doing the contacting? Do you want an employee to do that? Do you want your spouse to do that? What does that look like? And who should be contacted first and how? So do you want like, hey, you know, Ashley, uh, she's, she's, uh, she kicked the bucket and you know you do want everybody to get a text message to inform them or you probably in your as the owner you probably have an idea of how you want that communication flow to happen um who should inform your employees and your customers and how should they be informed um you know in in my business if something were to happen um to me or my father who's the other owner i have a definite uh, way that I would like our clients to be informed, um, primarily because I want them to, to feel secure and knowing that if something happens to either of us, that they're going to be okay. Um, and they're not going to need to go looking for somebody else, you know, right away. And, and I wouldn't want, you know, our, our customers and our revenue kind of to flood out of the doors if something were to happen. And that is a very real danger for a lot of business owners. So, um, making sure you have you have a say in what happens under those circumstances. And then who do you want to take over operations, financial decisions, whatever hats you wear as a business owner, you want to designate somebody. Um, and then uh, the other thing too that is rarely done with uh, is basically a list of all of your existing arrangements and agreements. So if you have insurance policies or a buy-sell agreement or a line of credit for the business, you need to list these out and then um, tell right in the instructions, the business continuity instructions, where can a copy of that be found? You don't have to include the agreement or the insurance policy itself, but you just, you, you do have to let the person who's going to be implementing these instructions know where can I find a copy of these critical arrangements. Um, and so those are the key things. The other thing is if you've done a business valuation, uh, what is the minimum value uh, after a death or incapacitation that your spouse or whoever is going to become the, the new owner of that business? Um, what is the minimum value that they should expect or, or uh, demand under those circumstances? And then how do you want the business to be um, 
dispose? Do you want to ideally transfer to another employee? Do you want to sell it to a maybe a friendly competitor? So there are lots of decisions and some guidance that you can provide while uh, your business is not in a state of chaos that can really help to um, prevent the, the bit loss of business value from becoming catastrophic for the business. Wow. <laughs> Those are all really uh, great. I mean, incredible and, and so important um, for, for people to think about. You just, you know, you have to remember if you're the only person who knows this stuff, that it's really not helpful. That leads me to a question about family. Um, is, is, you know, like I said, we're in the middle of this pandemic. Is this a good time to transfer a business to a family member? And if so, why? If not, why not? Yeah, Diane, there's never been a better time to transfer a business to really? Yeah, it's it's pretty ideal. So and and of course now that we have a new presidential administration, uh, you know, tax policy could change very soon. So I also think that the, the opportunity uh, may not be around forever, at least in in how it presently is. I don't we don't know obviously how that's going to all shake out um, because none of the Biden administration tax proposals are, of course, law yet. But when they do become law and when those changes occur, you know, family businesses will have wanted to uh, look at this and address it and decide if now is truly the ideal time for their business um, to transfer ownership to the next generation. So uh, the reason why I say that is because um, the most businesses are worth less today than they were at the beginning of 2020 or in 2019 because of the coronavirus. So you have this lower valuation. You know, if you had a business that was worth five million or ten million dollars or more, whatever that is, chances are it's you know maybe worth quite a bit less than that. And so you have lower valuations almost across the board, except for a few industries and a few business types. Um, but th then you have the combination of that with the estate and gift tax climate that has never been better. So um, in 2020, you if you were married, you could actually gift uh, over almost uh, 23, well, actually a little over $23 million during your lifetime to... Uh, you know, your your kids, et cetera, gift that tax-free. Um, and so a lot of business owners who have businesses that are very valuable and kind of fall in that category and they want to gift their business or at least a portion of that business to their child, doing it during your lifetime versus waiting until after death is, is, a, is a very uh, smart way of doing that. And with the lifetime gift tax exemption at that level, um, it it's a you know, most business, most family businesses can gift that business because it falls under that exemption limit. They can gift that business and not have to pay any taxes on that. But um, the the so it's it was eleven and it was a little over eleven and a half million per person. And then of course it was double that if you were married. 
So, um, but it was only a million dollar lifetime gift exemption in 2007. So if your business in 20, in 2007 was worth 10 million, only a, you could only gift a million of that during your lifetime and the other 9 million would have been taxable at pretty high gift and estate tax rates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that went from a million to 5 million in 2011. And then it, from 2011 um, until 2017, it gradually increased a little bit. And then it doubled after the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in, in 2017, at the end of 2017 was passed. So it's been $11 million that you could gift during your lifetime, double that if you were married for the la- from 2018 and beyond. Um, but of course, I think this is one of the areas as far as tax policy is concerned that has a giant target on its back because it's a lot of revenue for the federal government that they're missing out on by having such high you know, estate and lifetime gift tax exemption. So I, I think that that's likely to change very, very soon. And if I were a business owner with a valuable business that I was wanting to transfer and gift to the next generation, um, I would be on the phone with my uh, business attorney yesterday um, to see what can be done and what we should be doing to, to transfer those business assets before the tax laws change. Wow, that's really valuable. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea that that is, that's remarkable. Yeah, most people are really confused about this. And, and you know, tax policy is never yeah. clear anyways, but <laughs> people think, oh, you know, they know about the annual gift exclusion, which is $15,000 that you can gift, but they think that any dollar that they gift above that 15,000 is gonna be taxable. And it's not because it qualifies under the lifetime gift tax exemptions. So uh, really important for business owners to kind of understand the differences there and the rules and how it applies to them. And um, like I said, be talking to their business attorney and their their tax advisor as well uh, uh, about this and how they can take advantage of it. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then I have some more questions for you. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have thousands of titles to choose from, as well as podcasts, Audible originals, guided meditations, and more. One of my favorite audiobooks is Everyone Deserves a Great Manager by Scott Miller. For me, I love being able to listen to it anywhere and across my devices without losing my place. And I think you will too. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth to explore the variety of audiobooks and programs for yourself. Okay, so, so I have been dying to ask you this question. Can you explain why it is that only 2% of business owners know the value of their business or why more business owners don't know what their business is worth? Yeah, I I have some theories about it. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to the perception of 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 the true value of knowing the value of of your business. I think a lot of business owners sort of overlook it because they they don't think that they need to know exactly what their business is worth. They could rely on rules of thumb for for their industry um, and and their business, but 
The, the problem with that thinking, though, is that understanding the value of your business is really foundational to everything else that you would do to protect your business, to grow your business. If you're getting close to the uh, finish line and thinking about your exit, you have to know what your business is worth, because if you don't, then you start with a list. You start with this wrong assumption. A lot of times the rules of thumb that business owner use are, are incorrect. Um, but on the flip side, you know, many, many business owners know that if they want evaluation, they're going to have to pay money for that, sometimes thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars, depending on the size of their business. So a lot of business owners think, well, I'm not going to get evaluation done unless I have to. Um, but a, a number of years ago, the technology changed all of that. So the technology exists today where business owners with just a few key pieces of very high level information. So these are things like, you know, revenue and pre-tax income, things that hopefully you have at your fingertips. You can enter this data about your business um, into a software tool and it will tell you immediately what your business is worth with very high accuracy. So it's very good. Um, there's the database that we use uh, to do these valuations for our clients has like 50 million businesses in there. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're a dental practice or manufacturing or, you know, a law firm or, a, a, you know, whatever your industry is, you will be able to get good comparative data um, for other businesses, both in your geographic area and all around the country to, to help you determine what your business is worth. And then, and then you can kind of go from there. So, um, it's, it's hmm. something that we do the very first thing. In fact, before we ever start working with a client, um, we, you know, before they ever pay us a penny to build and implement their exit plan, we will actually do evaluation for them for free because we need to know what the business is worth and they need to know what it's worth. So we can all be on the same page when we embark on this exit plan. Yeah, that, right. Because otherwise you're not starting from a reasonable place. It, it reminds me, this conversation is reminding me of a company that I worked for uh, several years ago, and it was owned by a man and a woman and the man's wife. Because uh, back then, you know, well, female-owned business was, you know, was two-thirds owned by women. Anyway, the wife knew nothing about the business, and they didn't have a buy-sell agreement, and the husband died. Mm. tragically in a car accident and the wife thought the business was worth a lot more than it was and didn't understand why it wasn't and so even though the other partner was trying to buy her out you know because so she could make decisions it it just didn't work like none of it worked because they didn't have that information ahead of time mm-hmm so wow. what happened? Oh my God. Well, as far as I know, they're all still part. I think they brought in like a, an acting president and I don't know, after I left, I don't necessarily know what happened. Um, but I know while I was there, it, it was a mess. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. Sell agreement would have uh, yeah. 
mitigated a lot of the, yeah. the messiness. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you're an, if you're the owner who's left right in that situation, there's two of you, you're the owner who's left. You want to be able to buy out the, the spouse of the other owner so that you, like you said, you can make decisions, you can continue running the business and things can kind of move forward from there. Um, and a buy, a good buy, a well-written buy sell agreement will allow you to do that pretty, pretty smooth smoothly without a lot of, uh, you know, legal hoops to jump through or um, someone kind of stalling that process. So yeah, very, very important um, to have a buy-sell agreement. And and going back to the business continuity instructions, knowing where to find that buy-sell agreement. <laughs> <laughs> right. You've got to know where it is. That's also a good point. No kidding. Um, okay. Now let's let's talk some about uh, making progress toward exiting. Um, it feels to me like that really requires a strategy because, well, for so many reasons. One, so the business owner knows how they're doing heading in that direction, but also because I think a lot of them have a hard time stepping away, you know, from day to day. Mm -hmm. uh, so that they can be planning their exit, but also so that other people can learn how to do things. So um, how do they, like how do they focus on creating the exit strategy without the business falling apart in the process? Wow, that's a tough one to unpack. So, um, yeah, so exit planning is really just laying out a roadmap for transferring your business on your terms, which kind of speaks to what you were saying. Most people are reluctant, I think, to start an exit path uh, because they don't necessarily want to retire and leave their business completely. But actually a good exit plan is designed around your terms, your goals, what you want to get out mm -hmm. of this. Um, and so it's not trying to force you down a path that you don't want to be on. Cause I have a lot of clients and, and my, my dad is actually one of those. He's been saying for like the last 20 years, he, I'm going to die in my chair. That would be the best thing that could ever happen to me <laughs> is that I just go out. I never retire because he never wants to. He's, he's yeah. like the energizer bunny. He's got a lot of energy and, you know, he's 60, uh, gosh, he's 68. And so, but he's still very, he loves what he's doing. He doesn't know what the heck he would do with his time if, if he didn't continue to work. And, and I have lots of clients that are like this and I have clients who are like, I want to retire you know, I would have retired five years ago if financially I could make that happen, but I couldn't. So here I am today and they're begrudgingly in their mm -hmm. business. So, yes, yeah, so it's all about your terms, but, um, you know, we want to start far enough in advance and, and start with good planning around that exit and what your terms are and your timeline and how much money do you need and who do you, who, who's your ideal successor, whether that's internal or external and, and all of those things and, and planning those out 
um, and putting a strategy in place for that because that allows you the best chance to get to that finish line, whatever that is for you, with the most control over your exit. If you wait too long, um, then you know a lot of things happen that are outside of your control. Or you know if you don't, if you die, you know in your chair kind of thing, but you have it sort of laid out what needs to happen and protecting the business and transferring that after you die, you know, that could also be chaotic. So we want to avoid all those things. So business owners, um, they actually don't know. I find that there are a lot, they're very surprised sometimes when, they, when, when I tell them what I do, because they're like, Oh, I didn't even know that was, that existed. <laughs> but you know, it's like a business exit advisor. We are the ones who kind of lay out that roadmap develop the strategy, prioritize that, and then um, help them implement it. So it's sort of like, you know, we're like the general contractor. It's their house, they're building it, they get to make the decisions about what happens. But my job is to know when we need to bring in the plumber and the electrician, um, which are the other, like this, the tax advisor, the attorney, um, and and how to get from you know the plans all the way to the final construction when you can move in and a good general contractor is gonna know how what steps need to be followed and also so you're it doesn't take over your life because if a business owner lets their exit plan take over their life it's going to happen to the detriment of the business they're not focusing on the business um, and a lot of times you know things things end up happening where you might see a drop off in sales or you know you, there's there's a lack of oversight depending on how involved you are in the business it's not a good idea for a business owner to kind of DIY their exit because they they only exit once and most business owners are not serial entrepreneurs they're only going to do this one time and so there's a lot of missteps you can make mm. along the way that can have catastrophic consequences in terms of just completely ruining um, your exit and derailing your plans altogether. So uh, we have to have a good strategy in place in order to embark on that and, and do the everything that we can to ensure that it's going to be successful. There's no guarantees, obviously, but good planning mitigates a lot of the risks that can happen when business owners start to think about and start to make progress on their exit. Yeah, plus then you have someone who knows what the plan is and, and can uh, be like an accountability partner, you know, be able to say, okay, we need to be doing this, you know, pull them out of the the day-to-day -to, -day to, to deal with things as they're going along. Mm -hmm. So how far in advance should someone be planning their exit? I always think business owners, when they're starting their business, they should be they should be starting at that very point, at that very beginning stage, to at least sort of conceptualize what that path looks like for them and and um, what their exit will look like someday, even if it's 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Um, it's important to think about it because if you're at least thinking about it from the beginning, you're going to make some decisions that are going to be critical down the road, like the example of the buy-sell agreement. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do not, if you're thinking about your exit, you have that in place. <laughs> you know, if you're thinking about protecting the value of the business and, and 
you know, avoiding, uh, you know, messy legal battles and things like that, you are getting the documentation in place. But a lot of business owners, when they start out, they're kind of the penny wise, pound foolish, and they don't want to spend the money on doing certain things like that, that are, that prove to be critical later on down the road. Um, So there are things, obviously, you're not going to be in the trenches with planning your exit from the very beginning. Um, But you know, getting with the end in mind is very important. And as business owners get closer, I would say, uh, you know, depending on if it's an inside transfer, you need a longer timeline to plan for that because you want to ensure that your successor, whether that's a key employee or a family member, you want to ensure that that successor is set up for success. Also, most of the time when you're, when, if you're going to sell or transfer the business to somebody on the inside, they don't have the money to pay you cash. Um, and so it ends up being multiple years where you're basically paid out um, for the, the, the business value that is owed to you as the departing owner. And so, um, you know, by necessity, a lot of times you're going to be involved for many, many years. So I think five to 10 years prior to when you want to exit is a good place to start um, if you are wanting to do an inside transfer. If, if you want to sell your business and you're in an industry that's growing and you, you're going to be able to readily find a buyer, then you're going to need a lot less time than that. Maybe only two or three years to get everything set up and make sure that you know, you're doing the right things. Because it's not just about the transaction. It's about so many other aspects of your exit to make sure that you are after the exit, you're going to be fine financially from that, that this is truly a good fit. Um, You know, there are so many factors maximizing the after tax value. So there's tax planning that will need to happen. Um, So two to three years is good. I see business owners who will try to get it done in six months and, and they end up overlooking things and it can become problematic when you get to the point of the sale and the, and the sale falls apart or they really didn't have what they needed financially to exit, or they kind of jumped into it too quickly and, um, they realize that that they want to go back now and they can't because there's, you know, non-competes and things like that. So there's giving yourself more time than you think you need is um, what I would recommend to listeners who are starting to think, you know, I I think I want want to retire in the next five to 10 years. I think most of most people are surprised to learn that you really should be thinking about and, and doing some of the initial steps. You don't have to be, you know, engrossed in the exit process, but deciding on some of those major um, decisions like ideal successor, how much money do you need? What's your timeline? Those are a few key things that need to happen really early on that will then dictate a lot of the other decisions that are made as you get closer down the road. Is it, am I right if I say, it all starts with knowing what your business is worth. Yes, that that's exactly right. We have to know what the business is worth. Um, and that, that's why I make it available to anybody who wants to use it for free, <laughs> because I really want owners to understand what their business is worth today um, and how that's going to 
to impact the future of the decisions um, that they make. So it's inc it's incredibly valuable as an owner to know what your business is worth. Um, and we just have to, with the technology now, it doesn't have to be an expensive or time-consuming endeavor. The technology that we use, once you gather that information, first of all, it's free. And then on top of that, it takes like 10 minutes to enter the data points and you get an instant uh, valuation. And so it's, it's, it's just, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is it, to start there with the valuation. Yeah, boy, that's, that's, thank you. That's why I, I wanted to mention it again, because I think it is critically important. Um, okay, so before I ask you to let the listeners know how they can find you and uh, that tool, uh, any final thoughts or, you know, one huge piece of advice or anything we did not cover that you think the listeners should hear? You know, what I come back to and, and what I find with my clients is that for the for the vast majority of people, they're not serial entrepreneurs. They're only going to get exit their business once. And, you know, nobody gets it right. And so I would just really encourage your listeners um, to work with someone that they trust. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be an, an exit planning advisor like myself. Um, we a good exit planning advisor is going to look at all facets of the exit, not just from a legal or a tax standpoint, but, you know, make sure that you are leveraging all of your professional relationships to help you to get to that finish line successfully and so that things don't fall apart. So, you know, getting your attorney involved, your tax advisor, an exit planning advisor, um, those are the key relationships that are going to, if those people are competent and they have your best interests at heart and they understand your situation, you're going to give yourself the best chance of success. So we don't want to, we don't want to DIY it. I see a lot of business owners try to DIY their exit and it's just too, too valuable um, and it's too critical as part of your, you know, financial security and retirement to not get those things right. So, um, yeah, you only exit your business once. And I, I, I encourage any of your listeners to really keep that in mind as they begin to put a plan in place to embark on their exit. That is great advice. Thank you for that. And thank you for spending this time and, and explaining these things. I think this is so incredibly important will, will you let the listeners know you know how they can find you and what you've got going on over there the business valuation tool that i was mentioning earlier so that's the best way to find me because my contact information is there and everything so if you go to truenorthra.com forward slash value my business, um, you'll get free the free checklist that helps you to gather the information that you need to enter into the valuation tool. And then you'll also receive a link to uh, access our business valuation tool for free. So um, you can go in there today. It'll take you 10 minutes. If you want to rerun the valuation or run a hypothetical valuation, you can you can do have unlimited access to our tool and we make it available for free to anybody who wants to use it. So it's all all there at truenorthra.com forward slash value my business. That's really great. Thank you for 
uh, not only spending this time with me, but for offering that to people. I think that is a huge thing. Uh, and listeners, thank you. Uh, this is really something you need to pay attention to and take action on. Don't just, you know, listen to it, but do something about it. I'd also like to thank our sponsor uh, to get a free trial of audible.com so you can explore all of the audiobooks and programs that are available. Just go to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up. And get your sales strategy headed in the right direction with Succeed Without Selling, available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Full send with the driver? Check. Piercing iron through the wind? Check. Low checker, high spinner, flop to a tight pin? Check, check, and check. No matter which shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better for them all. The all-new TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern, engineered for more distance, more control around the green, and better stability in the wind, it's the hottest tour ball in golf. So no matter what shot you face, there's one ball that's better for all. The TP5 and 5X from TaylorMade. Coming up on 5-Minute News... I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.